actually work in pretty rural markets still. Um, we don't work in the biggest markets in America. Our home prices are, you know, our average home prices in all three markets are well under $500,000. It's really about impacting people in communities where they need it um, and where the home prices are much lower. But because of the way that our markets are situated and, and growing where you know first is so vital. So in that market, we don't have 2,500 homes to sell and we can change more people's lives and make sure that agents have incredible income opportunities. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Shauna Overman and Shauna is a real estate expansion guru and she is helping the agents on her team reach six figures of income and more. So if you guys are an agent out there that is looking to make six figures, listening to this episode all the way through is a must. She's also got some cool investment stories that we're going to talk about here on the podcast, as well as some mindset and psychology, how to become the person that can overcome some of the difficulties that are going on in today's market. So Shauna, as always, get us started. Take us into what's the craziest real estate experience you've had so far? Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Matt, for the introduction. I'm so excited to be here on the Freedom Chasers podcast today. Course, you caught yeah. me on an incredible week. I've got no shortage of crazy stories from real estate, but I have one for the history books this week. We had a closing on Tuesday afternoon. It's final walkthrough. Everything is fine. Buyer goes through the home. No issues. We're closed. We're done. Everybody's paid. And all of a sudden I get a call from the broker at the other firm. And she's like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to come get this dog out of this property. There is a pit bull inside of the house and I need you to come get it out right now. And I'm like, how did a dog get inside of the property today? We've already closed. The seller has left. You know, they're out of the home. They do have a dog, but they're video chatting me. The dog is there with them. And the agent's like, come get this dog. Well, come to find out, we get in touch with one of the neighbors, thank goodness, because the seller's like, just call the neighbor, have them run over, let's find out what's going on. The neighbor's like, the dog is outside of the home. This is a stray that's in the neighborhood all the time. Everybody knows about it. The dog is outside of the home. Meanwhile, the broker at the other company is like, come get this dog out of the home. I'm like, send me a photo, send me a video. I'm not really sure what's going on, but there's a little bit of an odd story here somewhere. No come to doubt. find out the dog was outside. Thank goodness we didn't have to go play animal catchers on Tuesday. <laughs> right. But I mean, the dog's still outside. It's a pit bull. Pit bulls are crazy dangerous, right? Yes, so how, how, do, how do you guys navigate that? Like does the dog get captured by animal control or? Oh my goodness. Unfortunately, yes. That's generally the route that we have to go to have something done as quickly as possible. And um, I do believe they had called animal control multiple times about this particular dog. Um, our preference, we're huge supporters of SPCA. They had been incredible. We had an older dog that had cancer several years ago. So our preference is if we can and we have the time to get in touch with SPCA and have them come in because they have foster families that are absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Ah, I, love, I see your heart already. So let's, let's talk about your heart for your team members, right? I mean, obviously we're in a time of real estate uncertainty. How, how are things shifting? How is your team doing? How are you inspiring your team to, to continue to succeed and make six figures? Absolutely. You know, this market has been challenging and agent mindset seems to be the difference maker. If you can stay positive, if you can stay focused right now, then you can stay in productivity. Um, I was actually out of production for a long time. The last 45 days, I decided to hop back in because I need to know what our agents are experiencing. And I also need to make sure that they have a company to work for. 
that we're not letting any opportunity slide and that they know what's going on. So I got into production. I've had a few closings already. We've got four under contract in my name alone. I also immediately implemented a three times a week stand-up call. Yes, we have team meetings. Yes, we have trainings going on, but it's a morning motivation call. What's going on in the market? What are we seeing? How can we help our clients win? How can we help them with their wealth building, their moves, in order to continue to help our agents stay focused and positive about solutions they can create each and every day, irrespective of what's happening in the market or with interest rates right now? This is awesome. So you're training your team and you have a three times a week, you said stand-up call. Give me an idea. How long does that meeting, uh, is the meeting structure? Absolutely. We're blocked for 30 minutes. Sometimes we're finished up in 20. A lot of times we take advantage of 30. I always let them know, hey, if you want to hang on, I'll stay on, answer any questions that you have today. Just make sure that you're prepared to go out there and have a fantastic day. And, you know, I continually reiterate that. I'm like, let's go out there. Let's have a fantastic and productive day. So it's very, you're being very intentional with the psychology, the way that you're saying things. Now you as the leader, I mean, and this is what leaders do. They take the storm, the brunt, right? It's like, if you're in a race, they're the ones taking the wind and you're distributing. How much are you distributing the truth to them of the market situation? And how much of them are you, are you staying positive? Like kind of walk us through the psychology of what gets to the team. Absolutely. Um, I'm from the South. So I am a total, total sugar coater normally. You know, everything is wonderful. Everything is great. I try to stay as positive as possible. Bless your heart. Everything is fine. Um, however, when it comes to business, I've always been a pretty open book. I like to be upfront and honest with people. It's one of the first things I ask my clients, and it's one of the first things I ask my agents. I actually touch my chest and say, may I be honest with you? I have three magic questions every time I meet with our clients and meet with our agents. And one of them that's most important to me is, may I be honest with you? So touch my chest. And why, and why, why touch? Why touch your chest? What does that um, it convey? Breaks, it shows that I'm sin I feel sincere about what I'm saying. It's a really like it's deep it's inside of you type of thing. It is. It's deep inside yeah. of me. I want to be very personal. I lean in. May I be honest with you? And I'm asking permission to tell them the truth about what's happening. Because whether it's our clients or whether it's our agents, if I start telling them horrible things they don't want to hear and I haven't asked permission for that, it puts their guard up. When I lean in and I'm sincere, it breaks the wall down a little bit. And then I can be honest with them. So we've been really upfront about what's happening. Our last team meeting in particular, normally we're covering market updates, real estate commission updates. We're covering stats. We're covering what we need to do for our referral partners. In our last team meeting, we strictly had a conversation about getting through this market and what it's going to take. What it's going to take, we already know from 10 years of experience here, we have to get back to the basics. We have to make sure we're reconnecting with people. You know, during COVID and during the pandemic, a lot of folks backed off of that. We haven't seen people. We haven't connected with our clients for the last two years like we could have and like we should have because everything was 100 miles an hour and we were barely sleeping and we were opening 20 doors a day. But now there's less inventory. The market's a little volatile. It's time to reconnect. It's time to say, hey, you know what? I am actually really sorry. I have done a poor job at staying in touch and that's on me. But I'd love to get together. I'd love to catch up over coffee. Let me buy you coffee. I just want to see how things are going for you. And that's what's important to us right now. Love this. I love the sincerities. Take us into, okay, so you have coffee with this person. What is the strategy behind the strategy? Is it really have coffee 
just let things organically grow? Or is there an intentional system process to generate business from that? It is really to let things organically grow. You know, we call these folks our VIPs. Reach out to your VIPs, the people that are easy to reconnect with first, and then go to the other folks in your database, in your sphere that are not as easy. You know, we have raving fans and we have people that love doing business with us, that love us as people and know us well. But we also have past clients that we weren't, you know, as close with, or maybe we didn't have as much conversation with. And it is twofold. Organically growing your business and building relationships is really what leads to long-term real estate success. Um, you know, within five years in the business, 33% of my production came from past client referrals specifically in five years. If we can do that same thing for our agents and teach them to care about people and lean in, right? Lean in in those coffee conversations, their business will organically grow. But of course, behind the scenes, the strategy is that when you're in front of someone and you're asking them how their life's going, you know, how is your family doing? How has everything been? What can we help you with? They're naturally going to ask you how things are going in your life, how your family is, how your business is going. And it's a reminder to them, oh, hey, Shauna's in real estate. Whether I specifically say, you know, hey, can, do you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell a home that I could talk with today? Right? That's not as important to me right now. What's important to me right now is just being in front of people again and letting them know, hey, we're here for you. We appreciate you. Let's talk yeah. and catch up. So let's talk about the, the situation. You've got a newer agent or maybe an agent that's being affected more by the market shift. They need money today. So we all know long-term strategy is better when you build deep, meaningful relationships that aren't predicated on a hard sales process right now. Yeah. But yet, Absolutely. sometimes that takes time to grow. How are you balancing with your agents the long-term strategy of deep relationships with the now sense of, I got to make money today? Okay. So one of the strategies in our business, which is huge for our new agents, and we have some agents that have taken the strategy, they've run with it. They're closing business right now when they've only been in this business for four or five months because they're open to something different because they don't have any bad habits yet. And yet we have agents that have been here for, you know, 12 months, two years. They're not leaning into that process, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. When you're growing expansion teams, you must have leads. You must have a database. You must have people for your agents to call. And we've built an incredible database. And we also have a very sizable pond system in every market where we have leads that have come in over time. Maybe they weren't ready yet. Maybe at that time they had an agent, maybe things worked out, maybe they didn't. But inside of that database, we're challenging our agents to dive in and make phone calls because getting on the phone with people is tried and true in real estate. Now, I know some agents out there, they say, I'm not doing it. I'm not calling people. I'll text people. I'll get on social media. I'll talk with my sphere. But the difference maker between building a business where you can close 20 to 40 homes a year and building a business where, like I did several years ago, you can close 80 to 100 times a year as an individual agent is picking up the phone and having conversations with as many people as possible. Real estate is a numbers game at the end of the day. And we have an agent. He's absolutely incredible. His name's Brenton. He just joined us a few months ago. No background in sales. No background in real estate. And within 90 days, he was closing business. Now, don't get me wrong. The first 90 days were a little rough. He had to get comfortable being uncomfortable. He had to get comfortable talking with people who he didn't really know how to talk with yet. 
But throughout this market shift, he's been consistently logging transactions and closing business. And he's taking wonderful care of people. And not only the agents in our office, but our vendor partners are all blown away at how well he's doing because he just dove in and took advantage of what was there. He called people to see if he could help them today. Yeah. And we tell our agents, you know, when I got in the business, it was 100 calls a week. Statistics changed to about 130. And I tell them 50 calls a week, 50 conversations will change your life. Yes, especially if they're intentional, especially if they're strategic. Now let's switch it to you a little bit. You step back into production to be an example to your team. Wonderful thing to do as a leader, right? When things get tough, hey, I'm going to hop in here with you guys, show you that it's possible in this new market, right? Because like the mindsets that come up in people's mind, like, oh, well, this is a new market. I can't do it anymore. But you're coming in to demonstrate. So what do you think is different about you and maybe some of the agents on your team? Is it the mindset? Is it the confidence in your voice when you're talking to prospects? What, what's the difference? I will tell you, Matt, I am not the best salesperson out there. I, I'm not the most talented in any way. Um, I am very gritty. I'm willing to get my hands dirty. I've been working since, you know, I was a little kid washing cars at the car, uh, my grandfather's car lot for 25 cents. He's like, if you want candy, you got to wash a car. That's how the world works, right? If you want something, you got to work for it. Um, and I would say two things. Yes, absolutely. Getting gritty, having a work ethic that's unmatched, unparalleled. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that my family has what they need and what they want. But also it took a tremendous mindset shift. Everything hasn't always been butterflies and wonderful and perfect. You know, I first got in the business and I wanted to make a six figure income right away. You know, I had an, a leader in that office at that time and she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And she said, well, this is how many homes you have to sell in our market to do that. And my first year in real estate, I sold 16 homes after being an assistant to an agent who was selling about 13 homes a year and really shouldn't have had an assistant in the first place. Um, whoa, 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 let me, let me stop you there. You were an assistant to an agent and as an assistant, you sold 16 homes when the agent you were working for sold 13. No, I'm so sorry. Um, let me step back. So yeah. I was an assistant for an agent and they owned a small firm. They were selling 13 homes and they were paying me a salary to be their marketing coordinator. Um, which is, you know, I have an interesting background to end up in that position. But they moved to a larger company because they thought, okay, we'll go to this large firm. They'll tell us how to be more successful. We'll get it done. Well, they, they really weren't putting in the effort and they were just sending me, unlicensed assistant who didn't know any better until I did, to do all of their showings, to write all their contracts, to go to all the trainings, to grow the business without a license. And very quickly I realized, oh, we could do so much more if I got my license. So I went to him. I said, hey, I'm going to get my license. We're going to grow this bigger. He got incredibly threatened by that. Ooh. You know, an assistant could outgrow you. That could be an issue. So we parted ways. And my first year in the business, independently, I sold 16 homes. That's crazy. So in most states, what you were doing was probably illegal. Um, yeah, exactly. Right? It is here too. It is yeah. here too. That's so crazy. Like that's such an interesting thing. He's asking you to do things that are not legal. And then yeah. you're like, hey, let me legalize what we're doing and let me help you grow. Let's grow together. And it's like, hey, no, that's not going to work for me. That is, I, I bring that up because that's not uncommon. Like it's very common to have that no. kind of, of leadership. Absolutely. So what background did you have going into real estate? What were the mindsets you had already adopted before you got into, into being an agent? 
first. So I am actually from a really small town in rural North Carolina, about 2,500 people. And when I was growing up, two or three stoplights. Um, that town was run by textiles. And, you know, when I graduated in 2006 from high school, the town was already really suffering because the textile industry was leaving the U.S. and a lot of folks were unemployed. And I was going on to college because everybody said, go to college. That's what you're supposed to do. My mom looks at me. I'm 18 years old. And she says, go get your real estate license. Don't go to college. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I've worked so hard. I'm going to college. This is what I'm doing. My mind is made up. So I go to college. I'm ready to get on with life, make money. I graduate from a four-year university in two years. What? Unfortunately, I graduate in December of 2008 oh, yeah. into an abysmal employment market. So I am not going to work overseas like I thought I would for some international marketing company. I end up at Wells Fargo as a mortgage loan processor. So I get to learn that side of the business. And then 2008 happens in full effect. 2010... I just buy my, I bought my first home at 20 years old. I'm laid off six weeks later. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> and somehow I end up in real estate as a marketing assistant. And then I end up, um, you know, going to all the training and, and through the training, I actually had one person come in that changed my life. And, and she knows that to this day. Her name's Elizabeth Ward Small. And she's a regional director for DR Horton here in North Carolina. And she is just a Southern charm fireball. She's telling us about all this production that she's had over the years. And I'm like, I am qualified to do this. Why am I sitting in the background? Why am I doing all the training? Why am I doing all of these things? I need to change my life. This is not what I wanted. I want financial freedom. I want a lovely house with white picket fence. You know, I, I had this American dream in mind that everybody told me I'd get when I graduated from college and went to work. And I just decided that year I was going to go for it. So that really changed my life tremendously. Just going to a training, one training that day, changed the trajectory of everything. Years after my mom said, go do that in the first place. Yes, this is so good. And I think I wish more people would center their mind around that concept of, okay, this is why I'm going to college. This is the outcome. But this is not the outcome most people experience. 85% of polls right now say people don't love their jobs. If you don't love your job and it's not where you want to be, what's worse, you know? So kudos to you for following that and obviously achieving some, some awesome results. So take us into, you obviously had some success. You've amassed a team of 25 agents doing 235 home sales a year. What does your vision for the, the future look like over the next few years? So it's funny that you ask, um, back when I got my license in 2013, before I had fully completed the licensing course, I had booked a, a trip to go to a training in Austin, Texas, which was also a huge piece of the puzzle for me, seeing the success of other agents um, at a tremendous level before I really knew what was possible was really eye-opening. And right after that, I immediately signed up for an eight-week training course so that I could just dive right in and get to work and other things I needed to know. What I didn't know is we were really going to focus on mindset and not the real estate business. It was completely about mindset and affirmations and changing you to change the results that you're getting out there. So um, I think that, that was a big piece of, of focusing on my personal development in order to grow the business from there. And when I did that eight week course that very first time, um, I put a plan on paper for the next five years. And the first plan 
was get to 100 home sales as quickly as possible, right? We want to do 100 sales a year. We want to change 100 lives in a year. And with that comes everything you ever thought you wanted, right? And in my mind, it was that simple. So I was continually investing in this mindset piece. All of a sudden, I had Audible on my phone. If I'm in the car, I'm listening to positive affirmations. I'm fueling myself every day with this positive energy and leading with gratitude. So that same course, a year later, I took it and I wrote a 10-year plan. Hmm. And that 10-year plan is still part of where we're working towards today. And that is seven teams. Don't know why. Seven's not my lucky number. It's just a team that a, a number that we chose. Seven teams closing 365 homes a year each, changing the lives of 365 people in each community that we're in every single year. That's one life change today in seven markets. And that is, that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. And, you know, the path has not been the easiest. I'd be lying if I told you it was all butterflies and wonderful and rainbows, but uh, that's where we're headed and that's what we're working on. So if you will allow me, I'd like to dive into some questions about how you form that vision. And absolutely. so you have seven teams and I know you said, Hey, I don't know why seven, but let's just say, let's contrast it with one team. Why not one team? And I'm going to try and do some quick mental math, but it's going to be somewhere around 2,500 homes a year. Why not one team doing 2,500 homes as opposed to seven teams doing 365? So we actually work in pretty rural markets still. Um, we don't work in the biggest markets in America. Our home prices are, you know, our average home prices in all three markets are well under $500,000. It's not Denver or Atlanta or New York. Um, it's really about impacting people in communities where they need it um, and where the home prices are much lower. So no, those communities don't always have 2,500 homes to sell a year. And we're not talking, some teams, you know, you might have 30 to 100 agents in one market. Raleigh, North Carolina is pretty tremendous. You know, they can do that there all day. But when we're working outside of Greensboro, North Carolina in a rural community, um, yes, we can venture out. In fact, our very first team, covers approximately 11 counties across rural North Carolina. So we've got a pretty broad territory. Our listing isn't 15 minutes down the street. It's also not LA traffic to deal with, so we can get a little bit further territory-wise. Um, but because of the way that our markets are situated and, and growing where you know first is so vital. Um, with our first three teams, you know, we chose to stay in North Carolina. Everything is accessible off of I-40, which travels across the state. We have a team at the coast, a team in the mountains, and a team right in the middle. It's very easy for me to get to them, for me to help them, for me to learn about their markets and spend time there. And that is more important than most agents realize. Some agents that have tried to jump states or jump territory where you have to learn new laws, every state is different. Um, but those three territories is really important to us. And none of those markets, in fact, one of the markets today has less than 200 homes on the market with current inventory levels. And an average price point of about $300,000. So in that market, we don't have 2,500 homes to sell. And we can change more people's lives and make sure that agents have incredible income opportunities with a team of 10 in that market doing 365 sales a year eventually, rather than having a team of 100 doing 2,500 sales. Yeah. So cool. You talk about when you went to grow, you got coaching and that coaching led you to mindset training. I find that agents early on in the business focus on skills. They focus on to-dos. And then somewhere along the way, they get into mindset. 
how valuable is mindset and how would you contrast it to skill building? This industry can be really taxing probably more than any other. And some, you know, someone said at that very first training that I went to time on task beats talent every time. I don't have to be the best salesperson out there. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm not, I care about my people. I care about my clients. I care about my agents and I really focus on where I want to grow and what we're working towards and the lives that it's changing and the gratitude around that. You know, why are we here in the first place? Because not everybody makes it in real estate. You know, they say that six out of 10 agents don't make it past year two. And here we are 10 years later. Um, but mindset for me, I knew from that first training, I was going to give it my all. And I knew it was something I'd never experienced before. However, I dove in and took advantage of everything. And yet, it's still something I work on to this day. I'm still in training. I still have a coach. We still make mistakes and fail forward. I still have to remind myself to get back in the habit of everything to keep my mindset flowing in the right direction. I have to stay positive so our agents stay positive. Our agents have to stay positive so that our clients stay positive. But I never realized how important that plan was. And that plan that I made the first year to get to 100 sales as quickly as possible, and that plan I made the next year to build everything that we're still working towards to this day, we're not perfect. We're not there yet. And we could be, you know, but we've refocused and we, we've allowed our coaches to come in and help. And we've continued to grow that mindset. And it's something I work with our agents on that they're a little confused by. You know, you hop into the corporate world and then you end up in real estate because you want to change. You want to do something different. You want something flexible. Uh, to me, this industry is anything but flexible. You know, that, that's not what it is to me. Um, but in doing that, if you know the importance of staying positive, then you can stay in this business. When I first got into this business year one, I was like, gosh, nobody should do this for 10 years or more. This is too much. It's too stressful. It's too taxing. And yet when you work on your mindset and you focus on what's important and also making sure that you're taking care of yourself as part of that, right? If I'm taking care of my mindset, then I am much better at serving everybody else. In fact, today, after we're done with this call, I'm going off the grid for 42 hours, shutting the phone down taking a break so I can come back, reset, and be amazing for everybody again on Monday morning. And that's so important for leaders to do and so important for our agents across the country to remember. Yeah, which leads to several different questions. One, like how can we do that for our agents where they get to go off the grid in such a crazy business? But before we get into that, like I'd like to talk about essentially how – like. How do you see your agents progressing in this way? Like, obviously, you're, there's a big goal to get them to six figures. How do you get an agent to, one, withstand the taxing this, obviously with some mindset, but how do you get them to move into, like, the position that you're, you're sitting in? Every single training that we do, there's a mindset component built in. Um, we have to make certain that our agents are really mindful of the things they have to keep in mind as they're serving their clients. Um, we do one class, but it's, it's just mindset. We don't talk about real estate. We want to come in today and talk about how you can maintain your mindset, how you can set boundaries, how you can take a break, how it's okay to walk away. You know, our clients and our customers, our agents, sometimes they tell me they call at 4 a.m. or they call at midnight 
and you know, this is one of the only industries where I'm, I'm aware of where you need to be up at 7 a.m. and be on the phone. You're expected to be up until midnight, seven days a week, right? That's the mindset out there that we must be available, and yet we're professionals. So we have to set boundaries. People think it's really funny if you call my phone and you've never called me before. It says if you're calling after 6 p.m., I'm going to give you a call the next day, right? Now, that's not to say I never return a call after 6. It's just so that I can build a border in my life and make sure that if I'm with my family at dinner, you're not expecting me to call you right away. You're not expecting me to get back to you right away. So we, we incorporate that mindset piece. And I talk with our agents one-on-one every single week. So outside of our training and our team meetings, they've got a 30-minute session with me where we talk about what's going on and we acknowledge that life is happening. Because it's not only real estate that's difficult, to maintain our mindset through. It's the things that are going on outside of that. How's our health? How are our families? We remind our agents that they need to hydrate because I was chronically dehydrated a couple years into the business, driving all day. I don't want to stop to use the restroom. Are you kidding me? And yet here I am impacting my health because I wasn't thinking about it. So we're bringing an awareness to that for them. And some of our agents, they get that. They dive in. Just like I mentioned Brenton earlier, he will dive right in to what we're telling him because he doesn't have any bad habits yet. For some of our agents, that's a little more difficult to grasp. And yet we see them learning that alongside me as they're growing. I'm actually really involved in their individual transactions. I know what's going on. I know who their clients are. I know when they're talking to them. And I'm guiding the agents through these processes of a very open door policy. They pick up the phone, they call me, and they acknowledge what's going on with their clients. And I remind them to make sure they're setting those boundaries. We have an agent that's been with us um, since 2018. And just a couple weeks ago, she went to Disney, took her kids for the first time. Um, three kids, amazing trip. And I'm like, okay, we are turning your leads off and you're going to be fine, right? You're not going to take those phone calls while you're there. We've got it. If you need something, call me, call the assistant, call the transaction coordinator. We've got a team of support here. And having that team, having that support, having other people around you that care about your success and don't feel like they're competing with you every day goes a long way. And it allows our agents to say, hey, I need a few hours. I need to cut the phone off right now. I need a break because if I don't, then I'm not going to be a great person for my family. I'm not going to be a great servant to our clients and I just need to step away. So our agents are able to turn off and turn back on a little bit better than, you know, if they're out there on their own and they're not on a team, it's just them. Everything is on them. Yes. I want to get real with you and get like some raw information from you about being a team leader. So there, thank you for going into such depth on how to be a great team leader, but there's a reality, like there's a difficulty in being an agent because you're being pulled to do all these late night work hours. There's a reality being a team leader. The margins aren't always as good as they say they are. The agents think they're paying you all their money, right? right? But when you're buying leads, you're putting systems together, that money, like when I doubled my team three years in a row, my profit did not go up very much. Um, and I know there's a point to which you get economies of scale, but talk to me, like what challenges do you face as a leader financially, otherwise, et cetera? And what, what advice can you share with team leaders? Well, never, ever, ever forget that the golden rule is lead with revenue. 
right? We don't throw money at anything until we've got revenue to back it. And yet, even with that philosophy, sometimes you turn around at the end of the day and you're like, whoa, what happened there? Um, I learned an incredible lesson. I was actually, I got in the business in 2013. Um, 2015, my daughter was born. That's when we really started growing our team was 2015. 2016 in March, I had put 15 homes under contract in December right after my daughter was born. And by March, I looked around. I'm like, I have made more money than I ever have. And I don't know where it is. I don't know what's going on. I am not budgeting well. I'm not acknowledging the financial situation at all. And I had been in coaching for five years. And I'm looking at this like, my coach is not looking at the full picture. Right? Grow your team. Set five appointments a week. Go on three appointments. Sign a deal every single week. Clockwork. Right? Clockwork of the business but the finances weren't being addressed. So I actually got into a really great coaching program at that time with an incredible agent from Utah and started learning about financial freedom, right? Not just mindset, financial freedom at the deepest level. How do we really tackle this? Because Dave Ramsey's philosophy did not work for me, right? Mm -hmm. Snowballing, it just wasn't working. I didn't, it, I don't know if I didn't understand it, if I wasn't committed to it, but I had a daughter and I had a husband. And I had a life I'd always dreamed of, right? We're, we're selling homes. We're doing what we want. In fact, in 2016, my husband was able to leave his full-time job and come join our team. And we were looking around like things should make more sense. We're making all this money. Where's it going? But as you're growing a team, nobody tells you, nobody warns you, you're probably going to make less money than some of your agents the first few years, right? Um, and so what we did is we made sure I was in production. I was actually in production until 2020. Um, you know, like I said, I've taken the last two years off. Now, at first, that first year we were growing our team, it was 85 homes, right? The next year it was more like 60 homes and it was 50 homes. But we made sure that I was in production because if I wasn't, then the income wasn't there. We knew once we got there what the numbers would look like. We knew what stepping out of production would look like because I was continually meeting with other team leaders that had done amazing things. Um, you know, agents in South Carolina, just across the border, agents in Charlotte. They're wonderful people in this business that are willing to share their book of business with you. Like, come to our office, see what we're doing. And I do that as well because we know there's more than enough opportunity out there for the people that are willing to get gritty and do the work. And so in doing that, 20 16, we started really focusing on the finances. We started really focusing on where we wanted the business to go. The first time we did $30,000 in a day, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. I remember looking at the refrigerator and saying, okay, you know, we want $90,000 in income every quarter. And that seemed like something so unattainable. You know, in this past year, we did over $2 million in gross commission income. So it's been this, this trajectory of, okay, it's a balancing act. You cannot just drop everything and think, oh my gosh, I'm, I have all the systems, so these agents are going to grow my business, and I'm just going to train them, and I'm going to work with them. You have to do a balancing act, and, and there are a lot of team leaders right now, just like me, who've hopped right back in because we're like, whoa, the market's different. The agents don't know how to tackle this. We've got to guide them. But by 2020, that's the point where I was able to, you know, four years later, I was able to really step back from production. Everything was running like a well-oiled machine. Of course, we got hit with the pandemic. We're like, okay, what are we going to do? I stayed back, 
paid attention to what was going on in the market. That year I did about, I don't know, 15 transactions just to keep a pulse on things. Uh, we have a lot of business that comes in, you know, really naturally from referrals, past clients, family members, things like that. Um, but, you know, we looked around too last year and we're looking at the numbers and agents think we're making tons of money. Our clients think we're making tons of money. We did 2 million in gross commission income. Well, you don't get to take 2 million home, right? And there are expenses that have to constantly be managed. In July, we kind of got a hint of what was happening. We knew we wanted to do something a little bit different with the business because we have 25 agents today. We had 38 agents last year, briefly. But not all of them were in production. Not all of them were, you know, coming from the same heart or coming from the same ethical background that we were. And we were growing to satisfy our referral partners. We were growing because we thought that's what you're supposed to do. And we were hiring people to have bodies to service all the leads and everything that was coming in. But at the end of the day, you can't really protect your bottom line doing that. When you're growing too quickly and you're not leaving, leading with revenue necessarily, you're not paying attention to the numbers because it seems like all of the opportunity in the world is there. That's when you really have to step back more than ever and line item every expense that's coming in and say, okay, is this making us money? Is this worth it? And are we going in the direction we want to go? And fortunately, last year was a pretty good year, but there have definitely been years that our agents have made more money than we have. You know, year two and year three growing this team, I was so excited. It was the first time I ever had an agent hit $100,000 in income. That was after their split. Right? That was their take home. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh my gosh, our agents are making so much more than we are. <laughs> right. And you're working as much or more, right? With with oh all the gosh. skills to make three to five hundred thousand or more if you were to yes. do it solo. Yes. Take us into the investing. So I would like to hear your mortgage takeover story uh, in, in yeah. some depth. Absolutely. So in you know, that actually 2016, that's the year that we dove into financial coaching. And we looked at the steps that we needed to take, looking at your net worth instead of looking at your income at the end of the day, looking at what is funding your lifestyle. Because if I had to grow the real estate team and also be in production, at the end of the day, what were we doing with the money? You know, what were we going to do with the income from a team selling 365 times down the road, much less seven? What do you do with that? How do you spend it? Because people win the lottery every day and they turn around and lose everything because they don't know how to manage it, right? So we started looking at, okay, we need to create some geese that lay golden eggs. And the geese that lay golden eggs are the rental properties that continue to provide return throughout your life and then eventually can be put in a trust and handed down because that's your legacy. I, I am going to tell you, I don't think that this real estate firm is my legacy. I absolutely love it. You know, if, if my daughter continue, you know, decides to continue it someday, that's totally up to her. She's seven today, so who knows, right? We don't know what's going to happen with this real estate company in the future. We don't know what's going to happen with the real estate market in the future. There's so many things changing in the way that our business operates. But down the road, we need to make sure we have a plan. We need to make sure in any market that there's income coming in to fund our lifestyle. So um, we were looking at all different types of possibilities. We were learning about note investing, which we're not doing yet, but we definitely want to. Buying notes is something on my radar. Um, and I just keep telling my husband, we've got to make the time to learn about it first. We've got to really know what we're doing. 
Um, and we do work with some note investors on selling their properties on the back end, which has given us a lot of insight into that. We looked at wholesaling, and I'm going to tell you the market that I'm in, I'm just not a big fan of it. I know it's a great thing for some people. I know it's a great solution for the people that need it quickly. Um, but just looking at it from an outside perspective, being a real estate agent, it hurts my heart that people are not getting what their property's worth to them mm. directly, right? That, that's hard for me. Um, but we actually, going on listing appointments, we had someone mention to us right about the same time that we're learning about all this, you know, we think we need to sell the property. We don't know where we're going to go. We're, we're too old to move right now. We probably only have a few years left. We don't know how this is going to pan out. Um, and we said, you know, we're not going to let you lose your home. We're not going to let you lose your home. Um, I don't know where you're, if you're, if you're going to sell, I don't know where you're going to go because they lived in this really small home on the side of the hill in the country. And the market value at that time was probably about $80,000, but they couldn't take that money and buy something that was reasonable to live in. Um, so we looked at their mortgage balances about $1,400. We contacted an attorney, worked up a contract, ended up closing probably $3,500 all in between the past due taxes, their mortgage balance takeover. And we held that property and let them have a life estate. So and let we me thought, clarify you know, yes. $3,500. You bought a house for $3,500. All in, closing costs, the caveat taxes, everything. That they could live there till till they die. Right. Like that's what they presented you with, right? Or did you set the price? Actually, How did that price come to play? So we actually took it to them. I mean, the 3,500 was the total of everything. We just said, hey, we'll take over your mortgage. You keep paying your insurance. We'll let you stay. Because the taxes were like $600 a year and, and they were fairly, fairly elderly and up in their years. And we thought, well, gosh, even if we do this for, you know, 10, 20 years, this will still be a good investment someday, right? Um, so closing costs, attorney fees, past due taxes, things like that. We took it over $3,500 total all in, right? And it was just a couple of years later that the, um, unfortunately the husband passed away and the wife called and she said, um, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm going to move in with my kids. Um, so that was, it was actually 2020 when that happened. So we took over in late 2016 or it was actually December 2016. So we took over then, um, 2020, we turned around and sold the property. The final sales price was actually $110,000 wow. on a $3,500 investment in just a few years. Um, it, you know, it was really neat because we got to help somebody, right? We didn't come in and say, Oh, we're, we're going to pay you 60,000 and we're going to turn around and sell it for 80 right away. Yeah. We got to help somebody. We got to let them live out the rest of their time together that they wanted together there. And we took a risk. That was a big risk. They could have lived for 20 more years. We didn't know. Um, you know, Which would have been $120,000 in just taxes, let alone repairs, yeah. <laughs> insurance, et cetera. So you could Absolutely. have lost money on that deal. Yeah, it was a big risk. But um, you know, it was a little bit of gut. It looked like a smart deal. And we know that real estate appreciates. So if it had been 20 years, then hopefully it would have been in a different position. You know, if they sold that home today, by the way, just two years later, if we had waited, oh, <laughs> stuck man. somebody in there to rent it, we could sell that home for $180,000 instead of, you know, $110,000 for sure. Easily. Totally. What a great story. I mean, it's just another way, like we're always trying to give our audience ways that they can think about investing with little money. I mean, here you bought a house for $3,500, sold it later for 110. So your profit on that's gotta be close to $100,000 in the final analysis. Yeah. 
And it wasn't, you know, that wasn't 1999. That was 2016 that we acquired the property in 2020 that we sold it. Wow. What is your, like if money was no object, if you had a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like what would your life look like? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I always think that I'd like to really feel at some peace in the world, but I'm so, I'm such a busy body. I find something to do. The people around me all the time, I'm like, you know what, if, if we did, I would probably keep the real estate company. I would definitely keep investing and building a legacy for my daughter. You know, everything that we do, of course, we're doing it for our income today, but it's something that can be handed down. It's something sustainable. And, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people never even dream of. Um, I would definitely travel just a little bit more. We travel a lot anyway. Um, family time is so important to us. Um, it, I hate to be cliche, but I met my husband in high school. You know, he's been my best friend since 2003, 20 years this year. Um, we have a seven-year-old. She is everything to us. And we're just a very, very close, tight-knit family. We love to go to the beach. We have a beach house that's an Airbnb. Absolutely wonderful investment. We love to head out to the mountains. We have a team out there, so we have a reason to go. Right? We have a real estate team out there and a reason to go. But we're busy bodies. We always find something to do. Uh, my husband would tell you he'd love to open a bar and call it Puzzles. One of his greatest dreams <laughs> is to have a bar where you go in, you play board games, you build puzzles, things like that. Maybe have some pinball machines in the corner just as something to have fun with. Um, but I would definitely still be investing in real estate. I'd still be in this realm. Um, I would absolutely be better at choosing the people that I surround myself with, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like sometimes in this business, you, you work with everyone because you need to. You feel like you need to. Um, and sometimes at the end of the day, it wasn't the best choice for your personal mental health or your sanity. Um, and it would be nice to just say no, although we've gotten much better at that over the years. In fact, uh, we had a seller today that, you know, he's been quizzing us, grilling us and, and drilling us to reduce commission and to give him our report card, if you will. And at the end of the day, we just said, look, we're, our commission is what it is. We're not going to cut a great deal here. If you want to work with us, that's great. But if not, that's fine too. Because we have also found that when something is that difficult up front and it just doesn't feel like the right fit, it's probably not. It's probably going to kick your tail at the end of the day and you're going to be looking around like this was not worth it, right? Those are the choices I wouldn't make if money was no object. I would not do the things that are just not worth it. So true. Clients usually give tells of what it's going to be like to work with them early on. Yeah, that is so true. Well, Shauna Overman, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business, for getting detailed, even with the numbers. So we're so <laughs> thankful for that, being, being a math person. So guys, if you're out there listening, whether it's building a team, whether it's like, what do I need to do as a leader to help my agents navigate the market? Or even if it's just about the mindset and having a financial focus so that you can take advantage of the best, write something down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. And as you take these steps, step by step, you start building a life of freedom. And before you know it, you're going to be there living a life of freedom and purpose. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.